Well, good morning, 1150. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning as we're continuing our series called No Fear November. And really the goal of this series and the goal of every week is to see God do something transformational in your life, particularly in the area of fear, because we know that fear paralyzes so many people in so many different ways. And People have all kinds of fears. They have all kinds of phobias from people have uh, fears of snakes. People have fears of spiders. People have fears of small spaces. People have fears of flying in planes. In fact, one of the, the guys that, that leads our, our kids' ministry over this campus is, is terrified of flying in planes. And, uh, and so that, that's a weird fear to me. Some people are afraid of going to the doctor. Some people are, are afraid uh, of being shot. They think people are going to shoot them all the time. There's all kinds of fears that are out there. And isn't it interesting how some people have some fears that don't impact you at all, and then you have a fear, and they're like, oh, that's not, that's not terrifying at all. In, in fact, uh, Shayla and I's fears are, are completely different, uh, and maybe some of her fears are, there, there's good reason, but uh, a couple of years ago, we, we lived at a house in, in Bradenton, where we're from, and um, we came home on a Sunday afternoon after a whole bunch of church services, and uh, one of the things that, that we used to love to do is we love to take Sunday afternoon naps. There's nothing better than like a Sunday afternoon nap. Put on some Miami Dolphins football. It'll put you right to sleep. It's perfect. And, uh, and so we'd go home and we'd take a nap. And this Sunday we came home, lived in the second story. And uh, when we came home, there was a note on our front door from Shayla's aunt. And it said, hey, just an FYI, stop by your place and your pet snake is loose. Uh, the only problem is, is we don't have a pet snake. And so, uh, so Shayla's aunt is literally a crackhead. And so I, I like, I'm, I'm not joking. She, she, she's on crack. And, uh, and so I was like, Shayla, like your, your aunt is tripping right now. Like she must've came over. She probably stole something. So we should check her house and see what's stolen. And, and, uh, but she is crazy certifiably and there's not a snake in our house. And so we, we went into our bedroom and we were taking a nap and we, we slept in this Ikea bed that was maybe like a foot off the ground. And uh, we had wood floors in there. And so I, I, I go right to sleep. I go to sleep no matter where we are. I can fall asleep like that. Well, Shayla sometimes worries about things. And so she wasn't sleeping real well. She was worried that there might actually be a snake in our house. And so I'm fast asleep, out cold. And I feel Shayla shaking me. And I'm like, babe, what do you want? She's like, I hear something. I hear something. I'm like, it's nothing. And I try to go back to sleep. She's like, no, there it is again. And she shakes me again. And I look over to my left and there is a six foot snake slithering on our master bedroom floor. And I go, don't worry, Shayla, it's just a snake because I'm kind of still asleep. <laughs> Shayla goes from being horizontal to like vertical, like instantaneously. It's like she just like, you know, those old movies of like the vampire just popping straight up. Like Shayla just literally popped straight up out of bed. She's in the middle of our bed. There's a snake, there's a snake, there's a snake. She's freaking out. I'm not thinking, I jump out of bed, grab the snake by the head, holding it up, walk outside, we're in the second story, and I just throw that joker as far as I can. Let's be honest, I am the ultimate man. And ever since then, Shayla's been terrified of snakes. Like, I don't think there's any reason. She's got me, she shouldn't be afraid, but like, she's, she's afraid of snakes. 
Now, now on the flip side of that, like I, I don't like uh, being surprised like by bugs crawling on me. That kind of freaks me out. And so, like uh, not long ago, I, I was I got up really early in the morning and I was I was in the bathroom and I was not yet like really awake and I felt something on my leg, and uh, and, and so I you know I, I flipped the light on because. Bugs always happen in dark. Have you noticed that? But like when they get exposed to light and when I expose it to light, so I flipped it on and there is like a spider crawling up my leg. I freak out because I don't like that. And so I jump up from the toilet and I pee everywhere and that was awesome. Uh, but I kill that spider. Like I don't like them. Man, that makes me terrified. And it isn't an interesting that like I'm afraid of a bug, but she's afraid of a snake. I can take care of a snake, but she doesn't have a problem with a spider. She'll just kill it. And we all have different fears. It's amazing to me that somebody can go fight in a war and then be terrified of the dentist. Makes no sense to me. Why, why are people afraid like that? It, it makes no sense to me how... How can uh, men go at, to work and make these huge financial decisions, but when they come home, they can't decide what they want for dinner or where they want to go? Like, we can make these choices. How, how, come, how come women can put boiling hot wax on their legs, but yet are terrified uh, of any bug? You know, it just doesn't make sense to me, which, by the way, I understand the ter- like being terrified of hot wax, because that is scary. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced hot wax, but it'll mess you up. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were on vacation. Shayla's like, let's do a spa day. And I was like, okay. And, and so we went to this spa day and uh, we were getting massages and facials. And so like we went and got, a, I, I got my massage. It was my turn for a facial. And I went in there and, and I wasn't really used to facials. And so I'm in there, I'm relaxed. I'm like, man, this is awesome. We should do spa days like every day. And I'm just like out there as this lady's doing all kinds of stuff with steam to my face. And, and I'm, 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 I've got my eyes closed and she goes, hey, would you like me to clean up your eyebrows? I have no idea what that means. And I'm like, Sure, I would love for you to clean up my eyebrows. You know, I'm thinking, like, I got some bushy, crazy eyebrows. They go all over the place. If you get close, you'll realize you're like, dang, that's crazy. It's like Amazon jungle up there. And and so I'm like, that'll be awesome. And so I'm laying there, and I just feel warmth across my forehead. And then, then she's like like rubbing across there. I'm like, this is an interesting massage. I've never experienced that. And then she rips this piece of paper off of my forehead and rips all my eyebrows out. And I scream and I yell at her. I'm like, what are you doing, lady? Messed up my zen moment. And the worst part about it is, is like I walked out of there and Shayla goes, did you get your eyebrows waxed? And I'm like, babe, I didn't mean to. I didn't, like, she said, clean them up. I didn't know what that meant. And so, like, I'm terrified of, of wax now. So stay away from wax. But <laughs> truth is, if you've ever been afraid in life, it can have some pretty devastating effects. The good news is, is that God, I believe, wants to set you free from your fears. Uh, and the Bible, God's word, uh, speaks a lot about fear. In fact, uh, it talks more about fear in the Bible than it does heaven or hell combined. And so God has actually got a lot to say about the fears that we face in life. And we started off this series last week, and we looked at a verse out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And and we started this series off and we talked about the fact that if God has not given us a spirit of fear, uh, then, then who has? And we determined last week that that's the enemy's goal to instill fear in our lives, to get us to walk in that. God's nature 
is not a fear-based nature. It's a nature that's full of love and power and giving uh, self-discipline or a sound mind to us. And so we, we started to realize that this is something that comes from the enemy. And so the enemy is pretty predictable in, in what he does. And so if you want to kind of see the pattern of how fear works in your life, it's pretty, pretty simple. Typically, it starts with a frightening thought. And that frightening thought comes out of a, a question, what if? What if this were to happen? What if this were to take place? What if the reason my spouse or my boyfriend or girlfriend is not answering the phone is because they're messing around with somebody else? What if uh, this pain that I'm feeling in my body is something serious? What if uh, the, 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 you know, I, I don't have enough money at the end of the month? And we start asking ourselves this question of what if, and it starts to cause fear to happen in our life. And it gets us asking, well, what, what about, what about, what about, what about? And we start just overanalyzing our situation and fear starts to creep and build up in our life. In fact, this would happen to me every Sunday when we first started Coastal over seven years ago. I would get done with our Sunday morning services over in Crete because that's all the campuses we had at the time. And, and uh, on my way home, I, this what if thought, the enemy would always play this, uh, what if people didn't like that message this week? What, what if people uh, like were offended by something you said? Because I, I offend people a lot. Uh, what, if, what if nobody comes back next week? And I would just start asking these what if questions, these what if questions that start popping in my mind. And isn't that exactly what the enemy does? That's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve. He said, like, well, what if you eat of the tree of good and evil? Like, what, what will happen? He starts getting you to question the realities of your life. And that's exactly what he does. And what it does is it moves from this frightening thought to all of a sudden it becomes a physical reaction in your life. It's where the, that frightening thought starts to take some disablement in your life where you start having headaches or you start having pains and you start being affected with how you walk and how you act and how your health is going on. And it starts causing all kinds of physical ailments in your life, which causes you to have kind of this fear avalanche mentality where you take what started as just a what if thought and it starts compounding, it starts with like, like, what if the reason Shayla isn't answering the phone is because she's having an affair? And then you go, well, if she's having an affair, what if she has a whole nother family? And, and, and if, what if she has a whole nother family and that guy's better looking than me? And then right away we know that's not true. So, uh, you know, and you can just con continue to compound that what if, what if what started off with what was just like a, a crazy thought has turned into this wild, irrational story that you've just built up that's created all this fear in your life. It's not even true, it's not even real, but you just let this avalanche take place. And before long, what happens is, is as that avalanche builds, you just have this desire to run. It's where you don't even wanna face those fears anymore. They've just become so big and so overwhelming. You're just looking for a way to escape. You're just looking for a way to disengage from this all and get away from the fear. And so instead of dealing with what that initial thought was, you just run. And a lot of us think that we can just run away from our problems. It doesn't matter whether it's fear or if it's a problem. We think, well, that's just the thing. If I just get somewhere else, if I just go somewhere else, that will solve all of this problem. We think that, man, you know, the problems I'm facing right here in Pompano Beach, if I were to just move to West Palm Beach or if I were to just move to California, then my problems here would go away. The problem is, is the problem you have is not an external problem, it's an internal problem. 
See, this fear that we have is not a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem. And the only way to deal with a spiritual problem is by allowing God's spirit to deal with our problem. And I want you to know that for you today, if you're dealing with this spiritual problem of fear, because it is a spiritual problem, it says a spirit of fear, that there is hope for you today. The Bible says who the son sets free is free indeed. And the hope that we have is his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants to set you free today. And so today we're gonna be looking at one particular fear, one that I think paralyzes a lot of people. And that is this fear of intimacy. This fear that comes from relationship. And let me kind of start like this. How many of you guys have ever been burned in a relationship? Anybody ever been burned in a relationship? Anybody, anybody had somebody like stab you in the back ever? Once. Anybody ever have somebody do you wrong? Or in my terminology or vernacular, do you dirty? Yeah. So like that, that's for the hood people here so you understand what I'm talking about. Um, we've all had that in life. And the enemy's plan is to destroy relationship. It's what he was doing in the Garden of Eden. That's what he's been doing ever since then. He's been trying to destroy intimacy with God and intimacy with other people. And this fear of intimacy, it comes from a couple of different areas. If you're taking notes, it comes from our hidden weaknesses. It comes from the hidden weaknesses that we all have because here's what happens internally with us. Uh, in our minds, we say, you know what? If that person really knew me, they wouldn't like me. If that person knew uh, what I had done, there's no way that they would love me. If that person knew my past, there's no way that they would accept me. And so we, instead of realizing that, that we could be honest and authentic, what the fear of intimacy does is it causes us to be distant in relationships. It causes us to push back because we think that if people really knew us, if they understood us, if they, if they got a picture of who we clearly were or are, that there's no way that anyone would accept us or love us or take us in. In fact, it's been happening from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve. You can look in Genesis chapter three. It says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So right away from the very beginning, you see an insecurity. You see that man realized that he was lacking some things. He, he was naked. He was exposed. And so naturally what he did is he distanced himself from God and he hid the realities of his world from the one who knows it all. And our hidden weaknesses always create distance in relationships. In distance, what that does is it makes us insincere and unauthentic. It's not that we're not nice and it's not that we're not cordial with people. We just keep people at arm's length because we know that if they, if they really knew us, if they really understood us, if they, if they really saw our true colors, there's no way that they would love us. In fact, the word sincere is, is actually a pottery term. Back in the early days, the Greeks made incredible pottery. And the pottery was made with such perfection that it never cracked. And, and so when they glazed over it, it would be perfect. And when the Romans started taking over the world, they started to duplicate the Greeks' methodology of making pottery. The only problem was is that a lot of times the Romans' pottery would crack. And so before they glazed over the pottery to sell it to other people, what they would do is they would fill in the cracks with wax. And 
it became known when you were bothering, buying pottery, you would ask a question, is this sincere pottery or is this insincere pottery? Because sincere pottery would mean it's pottery without wax. It's pottery without cracks that are covered up in life and full of things. And some of us, we've been covering up our cracks all of our life. I'm not talking about your butt crack. I'm talking about the cracks in your life. I'm talking about the imperfections of your life. And you've been trying to put on a facade by waxing over things so people would accept you, so people would love you. And the reality is, is that as Christ followers, we're not to put on a facade. We're to be real and authentic. In fact, Paul talks about this very thing. In 2 Corinthians, he says, we refuse to wear masks. In other words, he says, we refuse to be insincere. We refuse to put on a front. We refuse to, to, to act like we got it all together when we don't. He says, we refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and we say out in the open, the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see it. He says, man, we put it all out there. And it's so important for us to realize that our fear of intimacy comes from our hidden weaknesses in life, but it also comes from our desire for approval. A lot of us, we have this deep desire for approval, and we begin performing in life to win approval. We start at a young age. We want to perform so we can get the approval of other people. And usually it's, it's more profound or more in place than people that were underappreciated as kids or undervalued as kids. Maybe they weren't uh, uh, spoken to of as highly from their parents. And so they feel like they're unappreciated in life. And so they're constantly looking for the appreciation and approval of others. And what happens is, is you end up going through life looking for praise and looking for recognition, desiring those things because it's something that's lacking in your life. And you're always concerned about what other people think. And just like uh, our hidden weaknesses will cause us to be distant, our desire for approval will cause us to uh, be very, very defensive in life. Because we want your approval, we'll defend our ways until you approve of how we think or how we act. We'll cause a lot of arguments in life. You see this happening right now on Facebook. People have a desire for approval and, and, and because something didn't happen the way they thought it should, they're trying to convince other people that they should change their opinion. And what happens is, is in a desire to get us to, for people to like us, we'll destroy relationships if we're approval seekers. Because what will happen is that I'll have a great relationship here, but you have yet to approve of my relationship. So if I can do something to get you to approve, I'll throw this relationship under the bus because I need your approval because I already have theirs. And we start living out the blame game in life. And you see it in the very beginning. It's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. When God came to Adam, what did Adam do? He blamed somebody else because he wanted God's approval. It's not my fault. It's Eve's fault. And Eve, she, she wanted God's approval too. And she goes, well, well, the serpent made me do it. Playing the blame game. And the serpent, that dude didn't have any legs to stand on, so he's just stuck. <laughs> Cheesy church joke. But we talked about this verse last week in Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of man 
will prove to be a snare. In other words, it's saying, listen, when you're seeking the approval of people, it is going to trap you in life. It's going to cause you to stumble. It's going to get, cause you to get locked up. It says, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And so we got to realize that this fear of intimacy, it comes from, it comes from the, the, the desire for approval that we have. It comes from the hidden weaknesses that we have, but it also comes from our past hurts. Because people have hurt you. People have hurt me. We gave them our trust. And what do people do? They end up letting us down. Anybody have somebody let you down ever once? A couple of us, the rest of you guys, you, you don't have friends apparently. Uh, because if you have some friends, they will let you down at some point. And as people let you down enough times, what happens is you start to harden your heart and you start to say things like, that will never happen to me again. You start to become like the Grinch who stole Christmas. You became vulnerable you opened yourself up, you opened up your heart, but they turned on you. And so now you're going to turn away and you're going to run and you're going to hide away in your cave. And we're not the first people to experience hurt. In fact, in Job 19, 19, Job says this about his friends. He says, all of my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. It says all the people that are closest to me, man, like our, our relationship's jacked up right now. Like they've abandoned this. And some of us, we're, we're afraid because we've had some people do that to us. We're also afraid because we think that maybe God will do that to us. Maybe we've had a bad experience with God or maybe we perceive as God, but really we've had a bad experience with church. Church can cause some bad experiences in life. Wanna know why? Because church is full of people. And people are jacked up. If you want a perfect church, look for one that's empty. It's the only one that's everything's going to be perfect. <laughs> Jesus actually understands exactly how you feel. He understands the pain that you've experienced. He understands the hurt that's happened in your life. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, I can sympathize with you because I've experienced those things. I mean, you just think about a 48 to 72 hour period of Jesus's life. He's betrayed by Judas, who's one of his best friends. He's, he's forgotten by Peter, who is one of the three closest disciples to him. He's misunderstood by the religious leaders and the authorities of the day. He's uh, mocked and beaten and shamed in front of all of the crowds. And then on the cross, he's forsaken by everybody. That's a bad three days. And so the things that you're going through, Jesus, Jesus goes, man, I, I know exactly where you are. I know exactly why you're feeling those fears. Listen, I, I know a lot of the reason you're feeling those fears. One of the most powerful conversations that ever happened in my life, I was 21, 22 years old, and I was moving on from a church to, to another church job in life. And I remember sitting down with this pastor who was my senior pastor and him telling me that I was a loser, him telling me that I was a quitter, and him telling me that I would never amount to anything in life. 
And the words that he spoke defined my life for years. Like I lived with those words. I, I lived out of those words. Every relationship, Shayla can attest to this, every relationship I got into, because I was hurt and I got cut, I would cut other people. And I thought to myself, someday, like, I'll get over this. You know, time will heal the wounds that I've experienced. Some of you are walking around and you're thinking, well, someday I'll get over the hurt that I've experienced. Someday time will heal those wounds. Let me just tell you something. Time does not heal wounds. The Holy Spirit heals wounds. And so if you're waiting for time to heal your wounds, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to heal your wounds right here, right now. That he wants to set you free from some of the things that you've experienced in life and that you've been holding on to and that you've been walking in. In fact, there's a verse out of Psalms 34, 4, and I believe that this is what God would say to you today. And this is what he said to David. He said, I sought the Lord. David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. Here's what I would, I would say to you that I, I believe that God would speak through me to say to you today. Man, if you will seek me, God says, I will answer you. And not only will I answer you, but I will deliver you from all of your fears. Some of you guys are looking for some healing and God is saying, today is the day I'm gonna deliver you from the hurt that you've experienced, from the pain of your past, so that you don't have to walk with a fear of intimacy anymore, but you can walk in confidence through me. But it starts with you seeking me, you coming after me. And so what does that look like for us today? If you're taking notes, number one, if you wanna overcome the fear of intimacy, you have got to receive God's forgiveness. And you're like, man, that's pretty elementary, TJ, but here's the deal. Let me explain this to you because here's what happens. A lot of us have been around church long enough that we understand that God gives us forgiveness and we have accepted God's forgiveness. God forgives, I accept that. What that is like, though, is that that's like me giving you a gift and you having that gift in your possession and walking around and going, man, I've got this gift. I've accepted this gift. It's part of my life. But until you open up that gift, you've never received that gift. You've never experienced that gift. And a lot of us, we've accepted God's forgiveness. God forgives. But we have yet to receive that in my life. We have yet to receive that in our lives. And you can't really love and be loved until you're free from all of your guilt, from all of your shame, from all of your stains of the past. And God is saying, listen, if you will not just accept that gift, but you'll receive that gift, all of a sudden, not only will I take care of your past, but I'll take care of your future as well. You can receive something that will bring you freedom. And not only will it bring you freedom, but it will make you whole. But it starts with you not just accepting my gift of forgiveness, but receiving it in your life. Because if you'll allow his forgiveness to come into your life, all of a sudden he'll give you the confidence to go in love again. And that's what so many of us need, is we need the confidence, not in other people, but in God. In fact, it says this in Titus, and it's so powerful, so powerful, if you can get this. It says, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. A lot of us, we become a slave to our fear. We become a slave to sin. We become a slave to a lot of things. It says, our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. It says, but, and I love the buts in the Bible. God has got some big buts for us, and he cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny 
When God walks in with a big butt, it changes everything. We're going to do a series sometime called Big Butts of God, and it's going to be awesome. It's, baby God back is going to play. And I love this. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. So God saves us not because of what we've done, but because of his mercy. He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And I love that phrase. He gave us confidence. Because why do we fear? Is because we're afraid of that moment. When you have confidence, do you have fear? Heck no. So what does God do? God, to overcome the enemy, he says, listen, what I'm gonna do when you receive forgiveness is all of a sudden I'm gonna instill confidence in your life. There is gonna be this boldness that's within you that makes you walk into situations that you may, used to make you timid or fearful, but you're not gonna be that way anymore because I'm within you. And I'm gonna game changer and you can walk with my confidence. And so today, we don't need, just need to accept his forgiveness, we need to receive his forgiveness. And as we receive God's forgiveness, number two, what we need to do is we need to relinquish our issues with people. We gotta relinquish our issues with people because people got issues, don't they? I mean, just drive around, just look on Facebook. Everybody's got an issue. If we're gonna be free from this intimacy, this fear of intimacy, we have got to change our attitude about people. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Very essence of God, God is perfect love. What he does is he comes into your life and he drives out fear. How does that work when it comes to relinquishing our issues with people? See, what love does is it helps us realize that people are the way they are because of what's happened to them. You know, you've heard the statement, hurt people hurt people. And you've realized that hurt people typically are always victims of their situation. Why? Because they're hurting. And I've just realized there's a statement that I use all the time, especially in our household. It's not politically correct, so I use it mainly in just our house, but I think it's pretty relevant to today. And it's this, and you, you can adopt it as your own. This is kind of my life statement. People are stupid, and you can only love stupid. Can't fix it. You can just love it. People do some dumb things, and you can't fix people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. What my job is, is my job is to love them. And what I've found in my life is, is that for me, I'll go around in life, and I judge everything I do with my life based on my intentions. But I judge other people based on their actions. What if we were to flip-flop that a little bit and we were to give them the benefit of the doubt that their intentions were more positive than their actions? Because here's what love does. is It, it separates the person from the sin. So what God does, God loves us as people. He doesn't like our sin. 
he were to just judge us based on our sin, he would never accept us. But he says, you know what? I accept you. I love you. I'm so grateful that love gives a second chance. Or in my case, 10,878 chances this week. <laughs> Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. I don't know if you've realized this, but when you relinquish other people, you're actually bringing praise to God. We think that praise to God happens when we sing some songs. Oh, I'm praising God. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're praising God when you release people because it's easy for you to, to do something you enjoy. But last time I checked, a sacrifice of praise costs you something. Relinquishing people and your issues with them costs you something. And I realize that some of you, you're afraid to forgive. You're like, Pastor TJ, you don't know what they did. But I do know what you did. And God knows what you did. And what did he do? He relinquished you from those issues and said, man, I love you. And so for some of us, that means that in order to break free from the fear of intimacy, we're going to have to take some relational risks with people, that doesn't mean you have to accept them back in your life, but you can release the hurt that you're experiencing because here's the deal. You're walking around with that hurt and that's not impacting them at all. But it's keeping you from a lot of things in life. And Jesus talked about this very thing. He's talking to Peter and Peter's going like, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Seven times? I'm just kind of paraphrasing this. And, and Jesus goes, no, no, no. You don't have to forgive them seven times. You have to forgive them 70 times. In other words, what Jesus was saying is he's saying, you got to just let that junk go. And I understand that that's scary for some of you because that hurt has defined your life. Well, I'm the way I am because the, my dad made me like this or my mom or I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't breastfed or whatever it may be. I, I've heard it all, so. in uh, that pain and that hurt, it defines you, and so you walk around with bitterness and rage, and your identity has been found in that. Let's just be honest. Your identity is right there. And you're like, but that's so familiar. That's so normal. And, and like, you're scared to walk away from that. But what's scarier is the fact that you're missing out on God's purpose for your life because you're more comfortable over here in wallowing in the past than you are in living in your future. You gotta relinquish those people. And thirdly, I think it's so critical for us to refocus on a relationship with God. We've got to make that the focus of our life because our ability to love people comes from our love relationship with God. Don't just be a Christ follower. Be somebody that's passionately and madly in love with God. You'll never be able to fully love people until you fully love God. He gives us the ability to love and to be loved. In fact, Jesus talked about like, what's the most important thing in life? He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And he said, the second commandment is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, the key to everything is, is love. 
is having the first relationship right, your relationship with God. And as that relationship gets right, it makes the secondary relationship, your relationship with other people, all that much more critical. He says, if you want to break free of fear, then it's important that you receive my forgiveness. That you relinquish your issues with people. And that you refocus on the main thing, which is your relationship with God, which will help all the subpoints of your life come into play. Listen, church, the choice is yours today. You can be free of fear. And not only can you be free of it, you can be made whole today through Jesus Christ.